passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Chris Jericho, and I am all in with All Elite Wrestling! And May 25th in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Double or Nothing, I'm going to be there. I'm not here to just change the world. AEW is not here to change the world. We are going to change the whole universe! As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to Smackdown. 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. What a show we have for you coming up. We're going to be talking about SmackDown. We're going to be talking about the All Elite Wrestling Rally in Jacksonville, Florida, which just happened to be the same city that SmackDown was taking place in. We're going to be joined by a guest, and that one certainly uh, is going to be uh, explained why we were having a guest on the show. How are you, Wei? What a day. Yeah, yeah. Busy day for wrestling. A lot happening on this Tuesday, so I'm glad we uh, get to talk about it all uh, right on this particular show and as well. Perhaps even a little bit on our the return of the double shot coming up on the Post Wrestling Cafe a little bit after this, too. That's true. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can go now and download that show where we have our bonus reviews, and they're back after our holiday hiatus. And some of the reviews we're going to be going through on the show tonight, we will chat about, well, I'll be reviewing... Last Friday's episode of MLW Fusion, uh, I also watched this uh, this WWE short they put out on the 20th anniversary of Mick Foley's first WWF title win, where he went back to the arena that he won the title in and shared his memories of that night in December of 1998. Uh, and what are you going to be discussing on the double shot? Yeah, I mean, I, to be quite honest, I didn't have that much time to catch up on too many extracurriculars, but um, I guess we'll, we can talk a little bit about the latest edition of Being the Elite and perhaps how it ties into... Everything going on with all all elite wrestling. Very timely. Perfect. Well, we're going to start off the top with the all elite wrestling rally that took place in Jacksonville, Florida. This had a lot of attention going into Tuesday and what news would be coming out of it. We knew there would be some news and maybe maybe more than most anticipated. It was certainly heavy on talent announcements Uh, before we get into the specifics that were mentioned. How did you think this came across as a presentation way? Hmm, well, as a presentation, first of all, I think they did a great job um, promoting it, you know, as they typically tend to do with with all their, um, uh, I guess, ventures. You know, the, all three of those guys, Cody, the Bucks, 
it seems like they have a great grasp of social media, of course, you know, with being the elite and whatnot. So I think they got the word out about this press conference really well. I like knew at five o'clock today that was something I was looking forward to, to, you know, go on there being the elite YouTube channel to stream this thing live or on Twitter or whatever, Instagram, all that stuff. I thought they handled all that well. As a presentation, it came across pretty cheaply to me. Um, it was, again, fine. And I would say, you know, as somebody very familiar with low-budget production, even something like what they did probably took a great deal of effort. But certainly... Yeah, it this, was... is not, this is not a low-budget affair either. So I think that's a fair uh, criticism. Um, but I would I say, don't... like, if you compared their production to, say, you know the wwe or even i would say a new japan uh a production of a, of a press conference you know like things like the the crowd not being mic'd i thought greatly affected the way it yes. came across um i think you know even just small things like the the hard camera not being perfectly centered these are very tiny things but to me they do speak a bit of a deal of 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 you know where their production qualities lie at least on day one and maybe what that might be an, an indication for their actual TV product going forward. Yeah, and to be honest, like had there been an issue where the stream died or there was they were not able to facilitate the amount of demand of people watching, that to me would be a disaster. No one is going to look back in six months and say, "Oh man." Remember how bad the crowd was mic'd at the opening press conference. These are uh, little things, but they were notable things on this. I had the complete same reaction as you. A a on top of the fact that so many of the performers were playing to the crowd, and that was very pronounced when you know the Bucks came out and you could barely uh, hear the audience at all. So that that was a little challenging uh, at times. Uh, hard to get a good grasp of how many people were there. I mean the. The shots of the crowd, it seemed like it was a it was a good audience, not like overwhelming or anything like that. But um, what people are going to take away from this is what news was coming out of this. And we can start off with what was not announced there. Of course, there was not going to be a Kenny Omega announcement on this press conference. I don't think anyone should have been anticipating that. Uh, what I was curious about was a TV deal. There was no mention of a TV deal. And I would say that had there been a TV announcement with a notable cable outlet i would have put this press conference at an a i think that this was probably a b because you the goal was probably create buzz and anticipation and i think they certainly achieved that part but i think the tv deal would have been what launched them in my opinion to give a grade of an a to take away with a destination of where they're going but they did have a lot of other things to announce yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, if they didn't use this opportunity to announce something like that, I would have to think that, that you know, those plans simply aren't in place yet. And, you know, from the sounds of it, who knows even when that TV show might debut. Chances are it'll probably be after May. Wouldn't yeah. It? Yeah, that was the, the first big announcement of uh, Double or Nothing. It's going to be Saturday, May the 25th from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. Yeah, um, Las Vegas, I think, you know, one of the rumored uh, locations and uh, MGM, I, I think that's a really great get. What's the uh, what's the capacity of that building? Oh, the MGM Grand can hold, I want to say about twelve to 14,000 would be my estimate off the top of my head. Okay, yeah, solid, solid size. But I guess the other question is this being Las Vegas, how do you think that would reflect in the ticket pricing? I think it's going to be a much higher ticket this time around than All In was. 
think you're going to have a much pricier ticket this time. Maybe not uh, like UFC ticket prices, but I think that all in, they underpriced that show. And I think you're going to see um, an upgrade on, on ticket prices for this. Um, you know, Las Vegas is, it's a pretty, it's not an inexpensive place to run. And mm-hmm. I think that you're also going to have an audience, a fan base that will travel to this show and will be willing to, to spend money. So I don't think it's going to be a hiccup with fans that maybe, let's say it's a 20 to 30% markup from all in. I think fans will be more than happy to eat that cost. I agree. Yeah, I I don't see any trouble for them to to pack the place at all. So it started off with uh, our MCs were Conrad Thompson and Alex Marvez, who is a very well-known NFL reporter and covered pro wrestling for quite some time uh, back, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And SCU were the first ones out confirming that they had signed. That was of no surprise. Uh, Cody then came out with the Young Bucks, confirming they were the executive vice presidents of the company. This is when the uh, Double or Nothing announcement was made as well. This was an interesting uh, announcement that they have worked out a partnership with uh, Shima and the OWE crew in China, which I I think is a great get for them to have, first of all, the idea that they seem that they're going to want to have open borders with a lot of uh, outside companies and OWE are fresh to a North American audience that are not as familiar with them. So I think that's a really great partnership to have. That was actually one of the biggest uh, surprises, I think, coming out of this for me in particular. Uh, you know, I, I I mean, some of us are, are familiar with OWE. Um, to me, like, it's a show that I've seen a lot of highlights from, but I have not really necessarily sat down to watch it. And I think they're primed right now for a bigger spotlight in North America. I think it's incredibly smart for them to partner with, with all elite wrestling, but I think it's even smarter for all elite wrestling to partner with them. Cause we all know that the biggest market that all these companies are trying to crack is China. And I think, you know, having somebody like the bucks be able to go to, to wrestle for an OWE and so whatever type of cross pollination of, uh, of talent that they, they can do. Um, I think opens up both brands to wide markets that, you know, are, are are for the taking for both of them. So if if I'm look if I'm the WWE, like to me, this would be one of the things that I'd be most interested in seeing, and maybe even a little bit threatened by. Then we had uh, Brandy Rhodes come out as the chief brand officer. She mentioned that you know she has been going around the world and looking at female talent from Japan, from Australia. There will be a women's division. Uh, also mentioned that there was going to be equal pay for the women. And she didn't elaborate on this. I'd be curious to hear what this means. My my educated guess would be that this is not a case of everyone's making the same amount of money, but you would see that female main eventers would be making comparable money to your male counterparts, and mid-carters would be making comparable money, male and female. That would be my assumption of what equal pay meant, but a lot of people were trying to decipher what this means and how you can do that in professional wrestling, which by its very nature, you're going to have talent uh, like a totem pole effect that there is certain talent that is going to be making more than others. That's in, that's just inevitable. Yeah. I would say like by nature, it's a pretty vague statement. And I think, you know, in, it's something that I feel like is important to kind of promote, but also something that I would say they have a lot of pressure to live up to. Um, I guess like, you know, like you said, what maybe what they mean is that, you know, if you have a Becky Lynch on your hands, she would make them the same amount of money as, you know, 
like uh, you know your Seth Rollins or even your Roman Reigns in terms of if those people are as big of a draw as other people, they will their pay will reflect that. Um, how upfront they will be about all these figures, I guess that remains to be seen. Then uh, they did a bit with Conrad Thompson being interrupted by MJF, who did his whole heel shtick. He he mocked Conrad and then was approached by the mascot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this led to the save by Joey Janela and Penelope Ford. I, I thought that something I don't like about pro wrestling press conferences is, is that everyone's got to be in character and it's like cutting promos. And it was a little much for me at times. This was kind of the, the peak of it. Um, but nonetheless, I think Joey Janela, that's, um, that's a very big name to be able to have. And what that means for his involvement with Game Changer Wrestling moving forward. Um, yeah, I think yeah. it's uh, that's a very interesting uh, name to have under contract. And Penelope Ford just did a WWE tryout in December at the Performance Center. So another one that they have signed. I think he's a great kid. I think she's a great kid too. Um, I, you know. I, I have to imagine that, you know, being a part of All Elite might not necessarily preclude him from, you know, promoting a, a spring break or, or whatnot. Uh, and yeah, it remains to be seen, I think, how, how much freedom these people are going to get by being a part of All, All Elite. But um, I think both of them are great gets, you know, like Joey Janelle, especially as a guy who over the past year has developed a great deal of buzz. Um, but also somebody I really don't see fitting into the WWE system, whether it be NXT or the main roster. So I think he's a perfect fit for this. Hangman Page was out, said that he's going to be the first AEW champion and was interrupted by Pac coming out with the Open the Dreamgate title in his trunks, which I thought was great. I didn't need to see this guy in a suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like the lone guy come, coming out here in his underwear. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Uh, cut a very good promo. And I mean, they didn't state anything about a Dragon Gate relationship, but the fact he had the title... Um, maybe, maybe that is a company that they are going to be attempting to work with as well. Well, of course, like they have ties to OWE with the, with the basically, you know, being like a brother promotion to OWE. So it, it doesn't, well, well they kind of, they like left Dragon Gate. So it's, it's not as though, uh, those are like companies that are, were they not, you know, were they not born out of the same company though? With, well, with it was Shima leaving with, with, with a, a group of, of talent to go to China. So, okay. Do we know, know that there's no association still? Uh, that I'm not 100% sure of. Okay. So, anyway, interesting possibilities here. Um, and as well, Pac doesn't have an exclusive deal worldwide through Dragon Gate. Like, he is able to book himself elsewhere. So, there was nothing preventing him from doing stuff with both Dragon Gate and with All Elite Wrestling either. I think he, he to me, is is a main event level get. And I I think, you know, Hangman Page from his comments here... Uh, seems to solidify that he will be receiving a main event push. He made a promise that he will become the first All Elite Wrestling Champion, so uh, you can assume that he will be one of the biggest, you know, most most uh, uh, exposed faces of, of the company. And I think that program immediately, to me, sounds awesome. I think the the promise of something like a Pac versus uh, Kenny Omega sounds tremendous. Uh, him versus you know, mix and match. Like the, there's a lot of great matches, and I think as this pro, uh, press conference progressed you kind of got to see like some really great building blocks of this entire thing. And then Cody and the Bucks returned. They announced that their second event after Double or Nothing will be in Jacksonville, Florida, and that proceeds or a portion of the proceeds will go to victims of gun violence. And Conrad is up. I, Sorry, I found ahead. that announcement a little bit odd. Like, 
to announce a second show even before your first show is, you know, like we're, you're four months away from your first show. Uh, but they announced a second show without like a name, without really any particulars. Um, I wonder like what kind of really the point was, because I wouldn't say that it generates all that much interest aside from maybe the people in Jacksonville, I suppose. And so Conrad is up at the end and he's trying to like just rally the fans. And who do you think is going to be the first all elite wrestling champion? And he's naming off guys and he's clearly stalling. And then we hear Fozzie and Chris Jericho walks out as the final surprise. He says that he's not here for money. He's got money. He wanted to do something different, something new. He's a maverick. And he said that he would be at double or nothing in May and added that they aren't here to change the world, but to change the whole universe. And that's how the press conference ended. So lots of talent announcements. I think that this is a, you know, kind of a dream lineup of matches you can make just out of this talent for double or nothing and probably a lot more talent to come over the next few months when everything uh, settles and people become available and how they fill things out. So I think by the end of this, I think you're fan that went there probably left with a lot of optimism of what they've got here but the the question still remains about television and getting this thing off the ground i thought this was a good first step this press conference of engaging people with some some names that they can really get excited about mm-hmm. i think you know so some of the concerns going into it was you all right so they got the bucks and they got cody but who are all those, even if they get kenny omega who are all those people going to face well, I think with the additions of, you know, people people like Pac and, and especially somebody like Chris Jericho, who brings a great deal of mainstream attention now to this project, um, you you certainly have a whole lot more confidence that they are going to be a major player. And I think a lot of other independent wrestling stars looking for homes, people currently in the WWE are going to look at this and think, hey, if Jericho's going there, this isn't going to be just a joke. You know, this could actually be a big thing. And obviously, I think the TV deal... And everything else following will will really kind of cement some of those things. But as a first step, I thought it was quite strong. Maybe a little too hard, uh, too much pyro, though, I would say. They went a little overboard with some of that pyro. But beyond that, I thought the announcements lived up to expectation. Jericho was a huge one. Um, not only do you have him for double or nothing, but, I mean, what he has signed a contract. And what the specifics of that contract are, we don't know. Uh, but... Does he have the ability to still do New Japan? Because that's a great coup for All Elite Wrestling to have Chris Jericho under contract. Um, yeah. I, and, I would... and, if, and if that's something where they've taken him away from New Japan, that's a major power move that would suggest New Japan's in a position where maybe we, we are more incentivized now to try and work something out with these guys. If Jericho's comments are to, believe, to be believed, I think we, we, we know that he wants to work with New Japan, same with guys like Kenny, same with actually all of the elite. And I think, you know, the association with guys like Jericho and Kenny Omega, if he continue, if he does sign exclusively with all elite, they're great bargaining chips for, you know, this company to work with New Japan concurrently while New Japan has that working relationship with Ring of Honor. So those were the, um, the notes from the all elite uh Rally. Any other thoughts you had on uh, any of the announcements or coming out of this? I can also add that they, uh, Cody put up a video that uh, Billy Gunn is going to be a road agent. And I can also confirm that uh, Chris Harrington uh, of the WrestleNomics podcast is now working with All Elite Wrestling and apparently has been working, yes, with, uh, he's been working with Tony Khan for several months now, uh, helping getting the, the group up and running. 
And yeah, he is with All Elite Wrestling. Damn, wow. Yes. I feel like we're, we're going to know every single person that, that's going to be a part of this thing. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting hiring to get into their heads of like what they're looking for. Like if, if a Chris Harrington is on your radar, that to me tells you that this, they are thinking very differently. It's it's a it's a group of people that I know are are incredibly in tune with with the the wants of the quote unquote internet wrestling community, and I think that hire uh, speaks volumes of, of maybe you know how much attention they're paying to things like wrestling podcasts and 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 you know just just fan voices that are out there. So I'm happy to hear that. Uh, Starcast two as well was also announced. That's right. Yes. So that'll be part of a double or nothing as well. So May twenty fifth is double or nothing. All right, so from the All Elite Wrestling rally, this story certainly ties to it uh, because SmackDown was in town in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm guessing it was around 6.30, 7 o'clock. I received, I received two messages back-to-back of people that were having issues uh, getting into the arena because of All Elite Wrestling merchandise. And we're going to hear from one of them, uh, whose name is Graham, and... His story was that he was at the rally and had decided at the last minute with his friend that they were going to go to SmackDown. And they went, they bought tickets, and then they were not allowed into the building after buying their tickets. And Graham was told it was because of his All Elite Wrestling shirt. And he said he would be willing to buy a WWE shirt. They were told no. Uh, He would have to go. uh, Apparently, well, Graham's going to get into it um, and give the whole explanation of what happened now pro wrestling sheet had a story up as well with a scrump who many people are familiar with he works at pro wrestling tees he was also one of the penis druids at all in they were in town because of the rally and decided to go to smackdown and they would not even sell scrump and the person he was with also a pro wrestling tees employee tickets they wouldn't even sell them tickets because they were wearing all elite wrestling merchandise and there were several stories of this going on and you know, my when I tweeted this out, uh, I'm surprised my phone wasn't there weren't flames coming out of my phone from this and the reaction to it. And it was later when Graham goes and records. First, first, first on what was the what was the reaction that you were hearing from people? Um, it was a, a heavy amount of people who were very skeptical that this was true. That I would just uh, make something up like this or not have reason to believe that this was uh, accurate. I immediately reached out to the WWE to get a comment if this was an actual policy that had been put in place because I had a hard time imagining uh, security in the building would be acting on their own here and potentially sending consumers away. So uh, I contacted the WWE. Several hours later, I did hear back from them. Uh, But there were people, uh, some people that were just taking this as the WWE like bullying tactics. Uh, but a lot of people were very skeptical that this was happening. Because some people it, were let, let in fine with their shirts. Uh, yes, some were. Um, this was kind of later in the evening. I started to see that there were, there were some getting in. And that's when uh, Graham showed me this video where he had met with the security guard. And there he is right on camera apologizing to Graham for what he had to do and stating that they had been told that these shirts are not allowed and the policy has changed. I guess this story took off like rapid fire, and I think they realized that. Now, when the WWE contacted me, they did not go into specifics, but said that 
fans wearing All Elite Wrestling merchandise are not banned. And that was the statement. Um, I tried to follow up on that. It was it was not really explained to me about what had gone down. But we had enough examples. This was not one isolated case uh, that I would, you know, just look at one specific example of this and then extrapolate. Like, we were seeing a lot of these popping up. So there was no doubt this was an issue. And I guess the question I had after is, was this a WWE call? Was this an arena call where uh, the lines of communication mixed up somehow? It's it's very hard to believe that someone uh, or a group in the WWE was not aware of this. And Graham will get into this more. But Wade, what were your kind of conclusions just following this? This became quite the story on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, to me, it's clear that some type of direction was handed down to from, from the WWE to the security guards. Whether or not it went as far as to ban everybody wearing an all elite shirt from coming in. I mean, at least it was interpreted that way from at least a couple members of the security team. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I, I feel that um, if the idea was to limit the exposure of this, like, here, here's the, the uh, okay, they, 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 they can ban people for holding signs. They can confiscate, confiscate signs. And I, I guess in essence, you know, wearing a T-shirt is in a way holding up a sign, isn't it? But. Can you take away a, a, a T-shirt off of somebody's chest and prohibit them from coming in if they're essentially wearing a sign on their shirt? Is that right? Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a bigger debate to be had with professional wrestling. What is the precedent that that ha- has been set for something like this? Um, you know, if you ban an all elite wrestling shirt, why not ban a New Japan shirt? Why not ban Impact shirts? I mean, why not ban Bullet Club shirts? You know, those are those are name brands that are and IPs that are owned by your rival companies. Um, but I think it's a bigger discussion to be had, but to me, it's, it's clear that at least on some level, some direction was being given to limit the exposure of this company on the television of the WWEs. Uh, but unfortunately, which I should add that, um, the WWE in their, uh, separate statement to Ryan Satin denied that there was a directive. So we do have to put that out there. I, I cannot give you definitive proof that the WWE had this directive, but I'm having a real hard time imagining this was only the the arena that not just like we have heard in the past of fans being given WWE shirts to put over. I mean, that's a tactic that's gone back decades. Uh, Signs being confiscated. That is not new. But hearing of people being uh, turned away from buying tickets or being uh, told to leave the arena, that is... That that is a relatively new step that I have not heard too many examples of prior to this. Yeah, so I think that was that, that was kind of uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, as a result of this, um, they've they've earned, they've given AEW way more publicity than anything they could have achieved on their own in that press conference. Coming out of that press conference, this is all we're talking about. We're talking you, about you AEW. had the best tweet, way you yeah. uh, summed it up perfectly that. Uh, you, this action, this story tonight had 10 times, a thousand times more uh, promotional power for the AEW brand than an arena full of T-shirts would have. Which is why I think it's it's it makes sense why people are skeptical, especially, you know, we love Scrump, but we all know, you know, he's he's working with pro wrestling tees that, and they also have, have a direct tie to 
All Elite Wrestling, which I think, you know, is why it's so important that Graham, somebody who's completely unaffiliated with everything, as far as we know, uh, not only had that same experience to confirm it, but also was able to shoot that video for us to, to let us know that this was not just an isolated incident. So maybe we should hear from Graham right now. All right. Here's Graham. Uh, he has just left uh, SmackDown tonight and joins us to share his uh, dealings uh, tonight at the Veterans Memorial Auditorium. All right, we are now joined by Graham, who attended the SmackDown tapings on Tuesday night in Jacksonville, Florida. Prior to that, he was at the All Elite Wrestling Rally, so this all ties in together. Uh, Graham, first of all, I know you're you're on your way home now. Uh, thanks a lot for taking a couple minutes to join us, because uh, there was quite the controversy at the Veterans Memorial Arena, which is the venue that SmackDown was at Tuesday night. Uh First of all, uh, just tell us a bit about uh, what brought you to SmackDown tonight, because I understand this was kind of a last-minute decision with you and another friend of yours to go. Uh, yeah, we actually went to the uh, All Elite Wrestling uh, event there, and uh, that's why I bought the T-shirt that started all the controversy. And while we were there, uh, actually, I didn't realize – actually, I think I did realize SmackDown was here, but I wasn't going to go. Um, and at the last minute, we decided to go ahead and go since we were already here an hour and a half from my house and might as well go ahead and attend the show um so we went ahead and bought tickets and we showed up and so you go there you buy the tickets and you're wearing this all elite wrestling shirt when when do you encounter uh any issues with security uh as you're entering the building what what take us through that that process and, and what they said to you sure so we went in uh through security uh through the metal detectors and you know all that stuff we got inside of the building, and that's where they take, you know, they scan your tickets or whatever. And uh, while I was right before he scanned my ticket, the guy, security guy, says, "You can't come in with that shirt." I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "We can't wear an AEW shirt. Those specifically have been outlawed." And he started, he kept re referring to Vince, which I assume he means Vince McMahon. Start come find out later, he's a big wrestling fan. He's probably just throwing that around. But um, you know, he was basically saying, you know, you can't come in. So I said. Well, I'd like to talk to a supervisor because, I mean, it's not like it's offensive or anything. Uh, so the supervisor came over, and he said the same thing. He goes, look, they've, they've outlawed, you know, these particular shirts. And I pointed to my friend who's wearing an elite shirt. He said, yeah, we, we understand. We're just following orders. Uh, the specific AEW has been, has been banned. You can't come in with it. I was like, well, I mean, I don't really have my, – my car is pretty far, pretty far away. So, you know, can I just uh, go right there to the merchandise stand to, to buy a new shirt? And I was like, no, you can't come in at all. Can't buy a new shirt. And he tried to grab my ticket to scan it. And I was like, well, I don't want to get my ticket because I know once he scans it, I can't get in if they deny me entry. So uh, my friend, I told my friend to go ahead and go in and go to our seats, and then I would just sit there and deal with it. Um, I was trying not to cause a scene because, you know, when that happens, they're going to get the police involved, which are right there, and then I'm going to get banned and not be able to go. And, we spent 250 bucks on tickets and I want to go to the show, even if I'm, if even it's going to be a hassle. So, you know, we sat there for a while. Finally, I was like, well, is this coming for WWE or you guys? And he's like, oh, it was definitely WWE. I was like, was there somebody I could talk to? And they were starting to get a little bit of annoyed. Like the security guys were really nice. It was just very firm and adamant that it was not going to happen. It was a WWE guy there, at least a guy that was wearing a WWE shirt with a, a name tag. He came over and said, look, you can't wear it in. Uh, go home, get changed, come back. I was like, all right, man, whatever. So when I went to leave, he tried to grab my ticket again to scan it. 
And I was like, look, I'm not giving my ticket up, you know. So I went out. When I started to walk out through security, they said, if you leave, you can't come back. I was like, well, I got a medical issue. I need to go get some medicine out of my truck. This is a different security guard from this is the security outside. So how he gets, okay, no problem. Just come back in through this line. Uh, so I came back in through that line to go through security after changing my shirt. And then instead of going to security guards that wouldn't let me in, I went over to the other doors on the other side after security. And they scanned my ticket. And I went in no problem after that. And then when I came inside, that's when I, you know, I, I sent you the message about it. And uh, you posted something about it and sounded like a lot of people weren't really believing. I understand, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things. So that's why I decided, well, look, I'm going to go find the guy and, and ask him about it. I know the video was very shaky, but I didn't really want to go up to a bunch of cops and security guards and start recording them. That doesn't really always end the best way. You know, I didn't want to get thrown out again. The show hadn't started yet. And I really wanted to see the show, especially since I spent so much money on it. Um, so, you know, I went up and talked to him, and he's like, well, yeah, they're, they're letting people in now. It's no problem when he saw the video. So by the end of it, the second time that you went in, they had lifted the ban, correct? Uh, not at that point. Uh, well, I was They may have. I didn't know because I was in a different shirt. There was no issue. It was after I got seated. Uh, during 205 Live tapings or live or however they're doing it now, um, that's when I, I saw the comments about not believing. So I really wanted to make sure it was documented. So that's why I went back down there to the gate. That's what they uh, told me if it lifted. So I'm not sure if it was before I came back in or, or in the meantime, but it was before the show started. Well, before SmackDown started, rather. Yeah, and I think for everybody, especially after your video came out, and you were not the only person who had an issue tonight. Uh, regarding AEW merchandise, but once they saw the video, I think that it was impossible to deny this happened. And then the question became, well, was this a WWE call or a security call? And from your indication, they told you it was a WWE call and there was someone there wearing a, a WWE shirt. Yeah, so I, I do believe it was definitely a WWE call. I, I don't know. Look, it's a big organization and things get, you know, jumbled around things get to security and you got a bunch of different security guards you can interpret things in different ways mm-hmm. i don't know what the directive was don't let anybody in uh turn people away or whether it was i'm not sure exactly what the directive was but it felt like especially with the wwe guy they're eventually saying you know go home change your shirt come back that they were not going to allow people in with the shirt now i know some other people got in because actually while i was standing there I saw two people get in with AEW shirts on the other end of the of the set of doors. So I'm sure it's just one of those inconsistent things where they're just trying to get people in the building and they may have not noticed or, or whatever. So that's why some people got in, probably some didn't. It's, you know, you got a bunch of security there to let people in. So people are going to – it's going to be inconsistent. I know that uh... – one theory that was being floated around, and I don't know the accuracy of this, was that there was a group of AEW fans inside that were getting very rowdy and were asked to leave. And from your description, it sounded you were with your one buddy and were hardly causing a scene. There was no behavioral reason that you would have been asked to leave. No, and I stood there for a good 15 minutes before I finally just left and went to my cars talking to the security guys. They, like I said, they were very uh, friendly but they were very firm and adamant that it wasn't going to happen. So I can't mm-hmm. fault them. They're just doing their job. But, um, you know, they were very 
very strange. And I said, look, you know, and that's why I asked the WWE guy, because I knew security could leave. I was asking the WWE guy if he could follow me to the merch stand, which was not that far. I mean, it was within eyesight, just so I could buy another shirt and toss away, you know, the shirt I was wearing, just so I could get in, because I told him my car was pretty far away. You know, I, I can go do it, but I'm willing to give you guys more money and buy a shirt just so I can get in, you know? Yeah, a, a WWE representative, uh, a WWE rep did reach out to me, and it, it was a pretty short statement just stating that any fans wearing AEW merchandise are not banned from arenas. And this was after we had seen people were clearly being let in now, and th- this story had started to uh, pass around pretty pretty quickly. Um, people were uh, picking up on this and seeing other uh, fans with, with their own incidents from the night. Um did this kind of sour your experience on on the night, Graham? Were you able to enjoy the show afterwards? You did get to your seats okay, and you got to watch the show. Well, like I told you in the beginning, I was very uh, I was very sour in the beginning. Not not because of the issue. Look, I understand it's a TV show, and I, honestly, I wasn't even thinking about the. I wasn't trying to promote. I just put it on because I was at their event earlier, and then we went straight to SmackDown, which was basically across the street. So it wasn't like I was trying to call the scene or grandstand or, or necessarily advertise. I do understand, uh, you know, not wanting uh, the shirt to come in. That, that's not the issue. The issue was how it was handled and not allowing me to, 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 to get a shirt to change into. And just the very firmness of it was, was really the, the issue. I, I'm, I'm a little okay with the, especially since I ended up being hard camera side, fifth row up and I was on TV the whole night so i certainly understand the idea of not wanting a competitor on their tv show i get that but i just think they could have handled a lot better by simply you know i didn't even ask to get a shirt i know some people were given shirts i asked to buy a shirt that's what really threw me off um so i was pretty sour to be any look i've been a wrestling fan forever i've been to pretty much every wrestlemania since 17 uh we go to all the events we live here in florida so all the nxt shows even the house shows that had 30 people, you know, we're in all those shows. So very, very diehard WWE fans. Uh, and then independent as well. You know, we went to all in. That's where we saw you guys at. And we'll be going to double or nothing and, and Vegas. And we'll be coming to the show over here in uh, Jacksonville as well. We're pretty diehard wrestling fans. So to treat your customers like that is, uh, you know, it's a little full pot in my, my opinion. Grand uh, last quote. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Way. I just wanted to ask Graham about his thoughts on the actual press conference itself, and and if you you ha, if you have any 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 notes on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean the press conference was amazing. I mean, obviously, super passionate wrestling fans there. Um, it was really good. Uh, um, you know, we showed up. It was cool to see Jericho there. Um, you know, Billy Gunn was there. Uh, he wasn't on the camera, but I don't believe anyway. But he was there. Um, you know, just. Matt, Matt and Nick and, and Cody are real cool guys. We saw them at the airport after all in. Their dad and mom were literally right in front of us in security. So, and we saw we they were dead tired after all in. They were very uh, welcoming, even being dead tired, you can see it on their face. So, they're really cool guys. So we really want to support them, everything they're doing. So we thought the press conference was really good. Um, and then SmackDown, you know, the, there was a you know dark match afterwards um, with the colognes and heavy machinery thought that was pretty good, uh, especially I'm a really big fan of heavy machinery, especially Otis. And then the main event, 
Did did people know Heavy Machinery? Did they did Heavy Machinery get a good reaction coming out? They did. They were very well known. Yeah, because it was Florida, and most of the fans there, you know, were close enough to see them in NXT all around. So I, if it was somewhere else, maybe not so much. But because we're right here in the heart of NXT country, you know, they were they were very the most over person of the night by far was Becky Lynch, and that may have been because I had like 15 girls behind me screaming for her. But it felt like she was getting the, the biggest reaction of the night. Um, and then the dark match main event was uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan for, for the title. Um, Daniel Bryan cut a promo in the crowd. It's pretty good. And then uh, they started the match. It ended in like 30 seconds with a DQ. I don't know if they did something after that. We kind of left at that point where the DQ happened. And a lot of times they like to do tag teams after a DQ. So they may have done that. I'm not sure. We left right right when the DQ happened. Again, it was only 30 seconds. I, I can't imagine they were sitting the crowd home like that. But you never know. Well, Graham, uh, I'm sure you had a lot of attention on you tonight. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story. And, you know, it's, you know, people got to see your video. I mean, that was pretty conclusive about uh, what happened. I'm I'm glad that you were able to get in and enjoy the show. And, I'm fortunate that uh, all of this went down on Tuesday night, but I uh, want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes to join us tonight. Sure, no problem. I thought it was a really good show overall. I was obviously distracted with my phone blowing up, but it was a really good show. So, Well, it's great to hear that you had a, a great time. All right, thanks a lot, Graham, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll speak to you again sometime soon in the future. All right, cool, thanks. So I want to thank Graham very much for uh, joining us, uh, coming on, um, there was a, a lot of attention on, on him tonight and a couple others as well. Uh, I did uh, phone the arena tonight, but they, uh, the woman that answered it really, th- there was nobody there in any kind of a position of power that was uh, there to uh, comment on it as well. So I wanted to make that uh, known as well. And yeah, the WWE statement is just that fans wearing all elite wrestling merchandise are not banned. So I don't think you're going to hear about this again because I think that at the very least they realized this was a a massive uh, PR uh, hit for them on this, uh, you know, for these couple of hours tonight. This was a major story for two to three hours on Tuesday night. Yeah, if you're the Bucks and Cody, you're grinning from ear to ear at, at all this stuff. Like, you know, again, as I mentioned in my tweet, this directly positions them as the underdog here being kind of controlled not i mean they're not even being directly controlled it's their audience that's being punished for supporting them by big brother and you know whether or not you truly believe that because tell you to tell you the truth like coming out of that press conference something about it kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way because these people who i was looking at for a long time as sort of the underdogs are now in positions of quote-unquote the authority and it, you know, them kind of batting around terms like executive vice president and chief brand officer. These are all terms that I don't think are necessarily. Um, we know, of course, that they are roles that have to be, you know, that have to be had. But at the same time, they come across almost a little bit kind of out of line and and out of tone with, you know, maybe kind of like the real grassroots type of, uh, um, you know, community that these guys have fostered. So I would say like something like this happening to them today with these T-shirts again, kind of positions them as the underdog, which is, I think, a note that has been really working for him this entire time. What about Chief Brandy, officer? Does that work for you? Sure. Why not? That's great. All right. Let's get into this actual episode of SmackDown from Jacksonville. 
what what a what a reputation now this city has in uh in one day. It was the center of the wrestling universe. The Jacksonville screw job. Yeah. Quite the uh clever shirt that the Bucks came up with for today. Uh what? Matt and Nick Jacksonville. Oh, that's cool. I wonder if they'll come up with a shirt to capitalize on this whole thing. The, I, the... I would be stunned if they didn't. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Bryan started the show. Uh, he's out in the concession stand. And he starts cutting this promo that the only concession fans are making is to their health and well-being. He's asking if you're healthy or happy. All this food here is garbage. It's filling a void in your empty lives. He's admonishing fans. He says, that's why you cheer for AJ Styles. AJ is just like this. And he holds a hot dog. And you're choking down on these toxic nitrates and chemicals. He takes the hot dog and he throws it at a fan. Then he grabs the guy's extra large pop that he remarks is made with a plastic cup and a plastic straw. Spills it over the fan, calling him fickle. This is already one of the best promos uh, of the past year. He goes to the merchandise stand, which uh, apparently was turning away business on Tuesday night. And he asks where the Yes Movement shirt is, but then remembers there are no shirts because the Yes Movement is dead. And he tosses away AJ's gloves, says that it's this crap that's ruining the earth. As he walks into the crowd in the arena, he's here to change the world. Little nod, maybe. Change the world. And I mean, it was he, it was that like Corey Graves brought up the elite at some point. I mean, we can pro- we're probably looking too deep into it, but yeah, whatever. He says he needs these people to change the world, but they are weak and impotent. And impotent is now the word he is introducing to go along with fickle. And he says AJ fills a void for thirty seconds. He's going to tear apart that void and fill it with something meaningful and valuable. Maybe a lot like the um, the void at the end of the Avengers that they needed to close. For all oh, of wow. Loki's uh, backup. Well, I can tell you've already watched that movie because here come the references. This Friday on the Post Wrestling Cafe, John and I will be reviewing The Avengers, the end of Phase 1. Uh, actually, sort of the second last movie. Actually, yeah, no, it is the end of Phase 1. Yes, and we'll be doing that with uh, Brent Chittenden. Yes, so if you're a Cafe member, you'll get that movie review Friday. Uh, this promo, uh, he gets to ringside and he's jumped by R-Truth, who's been waiting all this time for a match. This promo was excellent. Just awesome. I thought it was really great. And, you know, before we continue, I certainly couldn't have been the only one to try to spot in, to, in, in the crowd whether or not there was any All Elite Wrestling shirts. Wouldn't that just have been perfect if in the background in this, like, merchandise stand, like, some dude was wearing an AEW shirt? Anyway, I, I thought Brian did a great job. It was an opening segment that, again, much like what we saw op- opening Raw on Monday, it was visually fresh. It made it stand apart from your typical show opening promos, so... Um, I thought that was great. I I find him very entertaining in this role. I think he does a great job, and you can tell he's just like incredibly passionate and very creative with every all of his ammunition or or whoever's helping him write this stuff. So uh, it's 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 been a, a character that has really worked not just for him but but this TV show as well. Sometimes I wonder, like how children would interpret this gimmick. You know, are they watching this and uh, because you know Brian is a heel, are they wanting to? become bigger consumerists as consumers as a result? Or would any child actually side with Brian's words? What do you think? Well, part of me, the message here, the message here is, is that Brian's wrong. You should buy more stuff, buy more merchandise. 
I would hope that there's a lot of uh, minimalists that are out there. But then remember in Fresno a few weeks ago when they were told they were the most polluted city in California and everyone cheered? What a, what a depressing reaction. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're being taunted by anything, your immediate reaction is to like somewhat, you know, own it, right? And especially with the way a heel typically does it. But I mean, in essence, this is an attempt to educate, you know, the audience that uh, to to believe in the opposite of what Brian's saying. But, uh, you know, in, in this specific case, I, I wonder if there are any, you know, especially young people that are out there, because I would say adults clearly understand what's going on, right? Like, you know, they're not going to be swayed either way, whether or not you agree with Brian's politics. But how would a child react to all of this? It, it's interesting. And I, I, I love that this wrestling gimmick makes me think about these things. I remember I had a teacher in elementary school and Earth Day was coming up. You remember Earth Day? Yeah. To where you're supposed to conserve energy and, you know, for an hour, everyone turns everything off. And my teacher was stating how I hate Earth Day. I was like, why do you hate Earth Day? She was like, because every day of the year should be Earth Day. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's not realistic at we should, all. We should live in complete darkness for an hour every single day. I, I guess so. I was like, okay, understand your sentiment. Maybe we can just conserve a little. Uh, there's nothing stopping you from making every day your Earth Day. I would love to see Brian uh, enact an Earth Day hour in the middle of SmackDown <laughs> for one episode this year. Just cut the lights for one whole hour. I guess maybe like light the whole thing with gas, gas or like fire. Yeah, and puts uh, holds lighters up and around the ring and can can have legitimate dark matches. <laughs> so our truth is in the ring. I thought they were gonna have a lot more time here. They they really didn't. It was a very brief TV match. Uh, Graves brought up. Forget about uh, Graves mentioning the word elite or anything like that. He brought up and defended Brian's freedom of speech. He's got the First Amendment. Okay. And to me, that was the priceless line of the night. Oh, because it's because it's a WWE announcer saying that. Well, it was. I, I don't know. I don't know how far the First Amendment goes at times. Yeah. Truth hit a vertical suplex into a jawbreaker for a two count. Truth then missed a splash in the corner, running knee by Brian, and he won two and a half minutes. I mean, I saw this and I just kind of came out of it feeling like it was a perfectly fine TV match. Like these matches are essentially your modern day squash matches. They're just showcases for your WWE champion. Granted, though, they did spend like at least a like a week or even two building up to this Brian versus Truth thing. Um, I I thought it was enough to kind of give you a reason for the grudge. And then I'm not so disappointed that this wasn't, you know, a more substantial feud. Um I guess they just wanted to move on quickly and just showcase Brian here and move on to the AJ thing. Then Styles jumped Brian on his way to the back, chased him off with a chair. Uh, more to come later with Brian. And then we just transitioned to the next match. It was Rey Mysterio and Mustafa Ali against Andrade, Cien Almas, and Samoa Joe. And uh, this uh, started a string of some very good matches, I thought, on the show. Mysterio spun off the shoulders of Almas into this tilt-a-whirl, and then got caught with a spinning back elbow. Ali comes in, he hits a rolling face buster to Almas, and then drop kicks Almas, knocking Joe off the apron to the floor. Goes for a Pescado, he's caught, and Joe hits a fallaway slam, sending Ali over the SmackDown announcer's desk. Back into the ring we go, Ray gets the hot tag, hits a springboard Rana to Almas, springboard sent on to Joe, and then Ray 
They, he has a Greco-Roman knuckle lock on Almus. He kicks Almus up and then flips over into a Canadian destroyer. Yeah, it was amazing. I don't know if I've ever seen a Canadian dis- destroyer on a main roster WWE, at least. Man, uh, Almus and Ray, they've, they've got some tremendous chemistry together. Dude, any Who's combination of any of the guys in this match, Joe and Ali would be an awesome match. Uh, Joe and Ray would be an awesome match. There's a 619 to Joe. Ali hits the 450, not the 054. And then Ali does a somersault dive to the floor. 619 gets caught. And then Almas hits a gut buster to Ray. And the hammerlock DDT almost pins Rey Mysterio. Uh, really great tag match. This mm-hmm. was fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly not disappointed that, you know, the guy pulls out like 180 degrees less of a rotation sometimes, man. Like, he's got to think about his longevity. You know, and I suppose maybe some of that is, is even perhaps some of the direction that he's been given to not necessarily pull that 630 out every single time or sorry, sorry, uh, imploding 450, I guess, every single time. But um, I thought a very good match. I enjoyed this more than anything on Raw. I think uh, there's there's a real freshness to this kind of like mid card nucleus of, of Ali, Ray and Almas that makes Smackdown feel so much more modern than anything on Raw. Yeah, really fun tag match. Uh, we had sit-down promos from all three women in the main event, starting with Carmella. She said no one thinks she'll win and just see her as the third wheel. She said how all that's happened is Charlotte now knows how to use a kendo stick, and Becky discovered a personality. And she beat Charlotte twice, beat Asuka, and all she needs is an opportunity that she has tonight. Shane McMahon was in his office with The Miz walking in. Can't believe that the Usos are facing the bar tonight instead of them. Shane says they are far away from the title picture. And Miz says, you're a McMahon. You can just give us a tag title shot. But that's how Shane, uh, that is not how Shane is going to make matches and abuse his power. They have to train. They have to scout and challenge themselves. And then they start talking about ring gear. And Shane just walks off to take a phone call, leaving the Miz there. Yeah. 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 These two got got a, a bit of TV time on this show. They did. Yes. Their chemistry is evolving. Yeah. Rusev came out. He cuts a promo in the ring. He's very somber. This is over the injury to Lana last week where she was dropped off of Nakamura's back. He lays down the title on the floor. He says, I don't stand here as the champion with the looks of a thousand Hemsworth brothers. Chris Hemsworth also featured this Friday on the Avengers as Thor. Yes. He looks at his wedding ring. He cuts a promo on Shinsuke Nakamura for crossing the line involving his wife. So in turn, he is going to break every bone in Nakamura's fragile body. And we go to Nakamura, who's in the production truck. He says, this is not my fault. It's Rusev's fault. And he replays the incident where Lana is on Nakamura's back. And it's Rusev who hits the Machka kick, sending Lana off the back of Nakamura. And she lands on the mat. She is out because of a back bump. No, because a man squashed her. I guess so. Yeah. This was Rusev's fault. I mean, Nakamura is not wrong. No, yeah, certainly. It was the video evidence here. Um, I I, I think I appreciate it this because we finally know how WWE superstars manage to edit video. They go (laughs) to the back to work with an editor in the truck to craft these video packages. Uh, It makes total sense now. Then uh, Rusev says that he is just going to go find Nakamura. So he runs to the back. 
He asks, where's the TV truck? But Nakamura attacks him with an equipment box and nails him with a Kinshasa. And Rusev is left out cold in the back. And I guess maybe this will be a title match at the Rumble. Sure, yeah. I thought the backstage stuff ended up fine. But, man, I, I didn't think Rusev was able to convey seriousness at all in his promo. I think there's something about him where he it, it he can't help but look like he's being sarcastic, which I think makes him fun to watch as a baby babyface most weeks. But I thought I think it's he, I think he's quite ineffective at evoking real sympathy, at least in this segment. Certainly, like I would say, you know, when your wife's just been beaten up, it's certainly no time to like joke about your you you being as good looking as the Hemsworth brothers. Becky Lynch cut a promo. She said that her title run woke up the entire industry. She can do whatever she wants tonight in the match. Asuka's on borrowed time until the man comes around and she's going to settle the score. Replay of the Gene Okerlund tribute video. And then Sheamus and Cesaro took on the Usos. This was a non-title match. Starts off with uh, Jimmy and Sheamus in the ring. And Jimmy nails Sheamus with this really hard clothesline that they replayed. And Cesaro's tagged in, lands a big elbow uh, Cesaro and Sheamus are dumped to the floor. Jimmy and Jay both land dives. And then there's a high cross by Jimmy onto Cesaro. Super kick to Sheamus. They're going through a bunch of near falls. Went through two commercial breaks. Sheamus takes uh, Jay to the second turnbuckle on his shoulders. Jay pops off and is super kicked. Cesaro makes the blind tag. He comes off the top, nailed with a super kick. And then Jimmy is waiting on the apron when Mandy Rose's music plays. And she walks out wearing a towel asking Jimmy for help and says that she left her gold pants and top in Jimmy's hotel room. And this is enough to distract not only Jimmy on the apron, but also Jay inside of the ring who takes the neutralizer and Cesaro pins Jay. Well, I think the idea was that like Jay was really relying on that hot tag and because his brother couldn't tag him, that's why he succumbed to the neutralizer. I feel like as, as far as like distraction finishes go, I thought this came across really well. I've, and so much of that comes down to how well these two teams built up to that hot tag to Jimmy. They like this, this match took what two commercial breaks. It spanned like three segments and all throughout it, it was Jay, uh, you know, building up to that hot tag from Jimmy. I, the second one I thought went, went so well that by the time Mandy Rose came in, it to me was something that was unexpected. And I think it really helped play to, towards that bigger story involving Naomi and Mandy. Yeah. So we have, Backstage, Mandy Rose is there, reveals she had her clothing on underneath the towel, and she's laughing it up with Sonya Deville when Naomi races to the back and just starts attacking both of them and was eventually uh, saved by Jimmy uh, as Naomi was just going crazy on both of them, and they were starting to get the numbers advantage when Jimmy showed up. And for such a violent interaction with his wife, Jimmy was pretty calm about all of this. Yeah, I mean, but I suppose like, uh, like he wasn't about to go and attack the others, right? In retaliation. Yeah, I guess not. He was, uh, he was just like, "Come on, what's uh, yeah, what's the deal here?" Yeah, you know, honestly, like the angle, uh, is is kind of trashy and kind of lowbrow. But I feel like if the intent is to elevate. Naomi and Mandy, or at least at the very least, get them more well known to an audience. I think it it's it's somewhat effective. Also, while the bar were out there celebrating, the Miz came out 
announces them as the winners, congratulates them on behalf of him and Shane, and said that they have dominated every tag team except for one, the two of them, and challenges them to a tag title match in front of 50,000 people at the Royal Rumble. So the Royal Rumble, since Elias cut his promo on Monday night, has grown from 40 to 50,000 people. 50,000, wow. Amazing. That's, a, that's an enormous upgrade from the night before. Yeah, wow. Cesaro brings up Miz's daddy issues and leads to Sheamus knocking out Miz with a brogue kick, and then they accept the challenge. So a new match for the Royal Rumble for the tag titles. Mm-hmm. Then we had Charlotte Flair's promo. She said that Carmella was last year's hottest thing. Becky is this year's, but she's been the hottest thing for the last four years. She's headlined pay-per-views, Raws, SmackDowns. She's not here to prove anything to anyone. She's here for the title. So get ready to be humbled by the queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, you know, over the past, like since that, that, you know, uh, uh, attack on Ronda, maybe even before that, she's kind of like crafted this new cockier tone of voice. Um, you know, which has kind of garnered a bunch of comparisons to Becky, of course, but man, I saw this and I thought if there was a, uh, for a, if for a second, they think that she'll be cheered as half the baby face above Becky Lynch. I think it's impossible seeing this. She comes across as a purely cocky heel act and it's not cocky in a way that'll endear her to the audience in any way. It's just like, to me, like a dislikable cockiness. So, um, you know, I can't see them positioning her on equal footing as Becky in a babyface role. And then Brian is with Kayla Braxton. They came back from break and it seemed like he was in mid promo here. And he says he's trying to make this world better for his kids and AJ's kids as well. And asks why AJ would attack him like that. He says it's probably because he's not the champion and he doesn't care why he was attacked. He screams that people have not seen what he's capable of and AJ will never take this title away from him because he's fighting for a bigger cause than anything Styles has ever fought for. I will be champion forever. Forever. That'll be tough. He, he's immortal. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Um, He went like really screamy here. Maybe, you know, a little overboard, but I guess that's sort of the psychotic character, right? Rhino. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like he already kind of like... He said as much as he was going to say earlier in the show. So personally, I didn't feel like this was all that important. Then we went to AJ Styles in a locker room, an empty locker room. And he just looked at the camera and was like, man, Brian, fuck you, man. <laughs> so many people aren't going to know what you're talking about. I know. I know. Well, you got to listen to all our shows and then you'll get every reference. <laughs> yeah, that makes it even more funny. Easy. I've, I've got one person listening. I do this show for one person. Oh, That's yes, you. I get it. Yeah. Shane is with The Miz. Shane says, this is not how I wanted things to go down. You've never seen a man more dejected that he's getting a tag title shot. Miz says, they're not the type to wait around for title shots and wait their turn. Shane comes around real quickly. He's like, you think we can do it? They fist bump, and they're all ready to go for the tag titles. This is a direct conflict of interest. This guy who is a one of the, the GMs of the shows, and he's like in a title match? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the McMahons have cared so much about that in their yeah, history. Have, I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it, to me, it's it's clear that uh, at this point, the Miz's babyface turn seems pretty complete. Um, I wonder how well he's really kind of like connected with the audience and how much this team is going to, um, you know, get the favor of the audience when they do debut. 
But um, I, I, I at least prefer Shane and The Miz in this type of role than, you know, perhaps Shane being in the best in the world tournament or anything like that. And then our final match of the night. It was the three-way match, number one contenders match with Becky Lynch, Carmella, and Charlotte Flair. Winner takes on Asuka at the Royal Rumble. Started off with a chop exchange between Charlotte and Becky. Carmella locks on the code of silence to Charlotte, but Charlotte stood up and it almost looked like she was going to give her a tombstone, but then Carmella rolled her up and escaped. Charlotte lays both women down, goes to the top. She's stopped by Becky, but then regains her footing, places Becky down and hits a moonsault onto both women going for covers, but each kicks out. Carmella landed a top rope Hurricane Rana onto Charlotte. Then they went for a sequence where Becky tried for the disarmer onto Carmella. Becky stopped it with, or Charlotte stopped it with the natural selection. Carmella super kicked Charlotte, went to cover Becky, and then Charlotte broke it up. This didn't get a big reaction from the crowd, but I thought it was a a well thought out uh, series of teases here for the finish. Charlotte then slapped Carmella, applied the figure eight. It gets stopped with a top rope leg drop from Becky, gets a two count. Goes for the disarmer, Carmella kicks her, and the finishing sequence sees Charlotte spear Becky, Carmella superkick Charlotte, who rolls to the floor, lifts up Becky, but Becky catches her with the disarmer, and Carmella taps out. Becky Lynch faces Asuka at the Royal Rumble, and that was our show-closing stare-down in the ring. Mm-hmm, yeah, I was actually surprised by the result here. I thought it would be, uh, you know, Charlotte perhaps getting the, the, the role here. Um, so, you know, I think... I think we all envision Becky's path to Ronda at WrestleMania but with with her winning the Royal Rumble. Does her being in this match, you know, change that at all? Because in order for her to win the Rumble, she would have to, what, lose this match to Asuka first? And would you want to do that to Becky Lynch heading into it? Uh, something, or I, I guess you could always have like a non-finish, but what do you think? How do you think that booking is going to go? It certainly feels like they are building to the three-way. With, with Charlotte, Ronda, and Becky, I would say. Uh, especially the fact that Ronda is no longer facing Charlotte at the Royal Rumble. And I think there's many ways you can get there. I think Becky is going to be in a, in a big spot at WrestleMania. This is not a case where there's been years where you think, oh, are, are, they, are they really going to pull the trigger and do the obvious one? Like with Becky, you can see. They are completely on board with her. So I don't necessarily know the exact path you go to get there. Uh, you could do some disputed finish with Asuka. Um, also, what Royal Rumble match do you see ending the show? Hmm. Well, I, I I feel like they would switch between men's and women's depending on the year. Because last year, if I'm not mistaken, it was the women that closed it, correct? The women closed the show last year. But so. if you have the story, and what would be a bigger surprise than, than Becky coming in later when you think she's not going to be in the rumble i think if she loses you're going to expect her to be in right but but then you have people hoping for her to show up and the pop will be even bigger if she does come out yeah yeah but i mean i also feel like they'll probably have some something big planned for the men's rumble as well the men's one to me lacks a big like it doesn't have a big hook whereas the women i feel that there's several different options you can go that it just seems uh to be the hotter match between the two. Like, what are the big stories going into the men's match? Like, Rollins, Drew McIntyre, yeah, Cena. Yeah, it's kind of true. Like, both, both, like, I can't necessarily see WrestleMania for either, you know, the Universal or the World Championship and, 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 and think that any 
kind of like uh, match is going to be as big as you know the potential of Ronda versus Becky. So you you could be right. So I like the women's match. It was it came off well. I liked it, it too. Good, good main yeah. event. I think anything involving like Becky and Charlotte right now, especially when they're in the ring together, is going to have an elevated level of crowd interest, and that reflects in the, in in the match quality as well. So uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought Carmella actually did not look out of place at all here. You know, certainly she's at a level b- below the others, but I think she over the past several months has done a great job of reinventing herself into a babyface that feels very different from how she used to. That said, though, I think those rabbit punches, like those like frustrated slaps that she does, I think those finally have to go. But I would say overall, to me, she came across t- perfectly fine here in, in with the other two. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a pretty easy to enjoy episode of SmackDown. I thought, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, pretty good two hour show. Shit, I forgot feedback. <laughs> you know, we we have a long show already. Sorry, so we're everybody. gonna omit feedback this week. We have the double shot. I'm uh, gonna put it well. in there anyway. Um, and then if you guys just want to leave your feedback out there for everybody to see, uh, please feel free. Well, let's take a few minutes to just quickly uh, wrap up with the shows that we have coming up this week. Uh, Also, speaking of the Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble pool is now open. You can go to postwrestling.com and look at the top. Uh, There is a button there. Just click on that. You can submit your picks now. Uh, You have uh, over two weeks to do it. So uh, time is – you've got some time to make your your predictions, and you can do so now if you choose or wait up until the last minute. Uh, But later this week – we have a pack pack schedule of shows coming our way. On Wednesday, we are going to have a new episode of the British Wrestling Experience where Martin Bushby and Benno will be joined by Will Cooling. Probably one last look at the takeover card that's going down on Saturday afternoon on the WWE Network. And then they'll be back on Saturday right after that show with a post show with Martin and Benno recapping everything that went down in Blackpool, England. Also, we've got, on Thursday, another busy day. We have a new Up Next coming your way, as well as the return of the Cafe Hangout, which will be live for Double Double and above members of the Post Wrestling Cafe at 3 p.m. Way and I will be taking your questions, uh, maybe taking some calls as well. So that is up Thursday, and will be up free as a podcast on Friday. Uh, As well, Friday, we mentioned that we have the Avengers Review, which is our latest look at the MCU. That will be available for patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe. Saturday, I mentioned the TakeOver Post Show. Sunday is the MMA Prediction Show with Ariel Hawani joining me. Oh, and also on the feed right now, today you just released uh, your MMA Year in Review. Did you mention that? Yes, that is up now. You can go download it. It's myself, Mike Bond, and Cody Safdick going through the entire year of 2018 in mixed martial arts. So if you want to uh, get all up to date on what's happening in the world of MMA, uh, it was a really fun show to record. My first show I've done in a long time with Cody Safdick, and it's also always great to chat with Mike Bond as well. So that's up there now, as well as our reviews of uh, Impact's homecoming show on Sunday, Raw from Monday night. Never a shortage of shows, uh, so you can go check those out. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and that's it. Good night, everybody. Uh, thanks to Graham for joining us as well, sharing his story, and we'll be coming back on The Double Shot. <laughs>